0: Cool. Well, hi, y'all. So, um, we are going to start pretty quick here teaching. I've got just like a couple slides. So, everybody, I got one actually, so people know how to get on Tithely, trying to be faithful to that. So, there's your, uh, your Tithely gig. You uh, and I do want to thank you and I want to pray for guys, all of us. Those We've got a number of people that are gone, got some family things, got a couple trips. And,. Uh, some people trying to recover. I know Gill and Dean are not here tonight. They're trying to recapture a little bit of their personal life after moving and traveling and doing all that kind of stuff. So praise God. So anyway, Father, thank you for your provision in our lives. Thanks for the giving that goes on in everybody's hearts that's here, everybody online, everybody that's out and about tonight. We just bless you. We thank you for provision. Sometimes, Lord, our financial realm seems like it anchors us more to the world than it does to heaven but you said that where your treasures are, there are where your heart is, that's where your treasures are going to be too. And there's something that you do to sanctify the the giving that we do and the intentions of our heart. And I know that every you know, if we were to look at all the lives that have been touched by the folks in this room and the folks online, Lord, there's money to missionaries. There's people really all over the globe as a result. of That we remember Robin and Jean and and uh, Mike and Darlene and uh, younger Corman's. Lord, we thank you for that. I remember the the team over there that's getting their footing and getting rolling in a big way in Africa. Appreciate that. Thank you for Jesus, it. You? And Lord, there's there's individual people. I mean, Tim and Meg have been all over the, all over the globe kind of teaching marriage and they're going to be doing that tomorrow. Um, Ronnie and I have been talking about and doing some things for a long, long time yes, that have the potential to touch lives. Just thank that's you for Jesus. that. And I know that's true of everybody here. So I thank you and I pray for financial peace and prosperity on us and everybody that's associated with us. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I bless you and I thank you for that. And thank you for the, the hearts that are yielded to you yes, Lord. that are represented here in this room and online. Yes, Jesus. And I thank you for getting Jeremy and Amy and the kids dog back. That's a neat yeah, blessing. God. Amen. Yeah, Jesus. They got a new puppy and the puppy snuck out under the fence and apparently made its way about eight or nine miles back to its original owner. So that was kind of cool. So, praise God. All right. So uh, the mic's open. You guys are free to ask any questions you want, anytime you want. Uh, Okay, yeah. But let's at least focus. Yeah, it wasn't a dare. No, let's at least focus on the point a little bit. All right. So last week, last week I talked about this question: Where did God? Uh, when did God become your father? But more importantly, and, and I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, so uh, we'll see how this goes. But um, I wanted to follow up because one of the things that came out of last week's message was that that there is a a cycle that we want to engage in when we are trying to understand Scripture, and um, so it's where do you look and, and who do we look at is the issue. And so the first place, you guys remember what that represents? Scripture. The scriptures. Yeah, there you go. And and this, this fellow? Jesus. Jesus, There you go. And this thing? Going to heaven. Going to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that a cool picture? We'll see you later. All right, you guys scored 100% on that. Now, yeah, laughing Jesus. Now, the point... The point of this, I'm going to stand still, Riley, so you don't have to follow me all over the place. Sorry, I realized I was wandering. Now I can see everybody. Um, the point of this is, and the reason I'm like talking about the choir, uh, Tim and Megger leading us in ascensions, and I think everybody here has been a part of one uh, a little bit, and we're all ripe and ready to believe and go and hear. But I don't know that we always think about our access to heaven in the in the valuable sense it is in. Just plain every day, building up our faith, building up our doctrine, building up our understanding, purifying our doctrine, cleaning it out, lifting it up—all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't really totally care where we start on these three issues when we've got a question. I just want us to engage all three of these issues, and and so you know I'm going to do that again with a tiny bit of review, and then I'm going to add one thing, and then we're going to go ahead and jump into an extension out here. And, uh, you know, we'll just see what, what God says. Now, this is a little bit different than the normal kind of thought about ascension, the protocol thought, because this is actually going to him with a question and, and seeing what he has to say about it. Now, to make this really clear, I'll just pray right now. Father, you can show us anything you want. Jesus, you, you can lead us anywhere you want. Holy Spirit, you can take us anywhere you want. But I want us to experience the freedom, the liberty, and the resource that access to you and access to heaven is while we're trying to sort out scripture, while we're trying to sort out Jesus, what you're asking us to do and where you're leading us to go and how you're how you're you're calling us to live out our lives as individuals, as couples, families, and as a church. Yes. And so I just I I really know, I know that an underdeveloped aspect of this is, is well, actually all of these are kind of underdeveloped in some ways, but especially coming to you, Jesus, to receive that life, actually having that heavenly transaction, that heaven-to-earth transaction that you called us to pray for. Yes, so you can, you can do anything you want, Lord, but we're going we're gonna to walk through this yes, and, uh, and see if our lives can change a little bit as a result of it. Yeah. All right, so uh, here was a review from last week. Uh, this one was in Scripture, you guys remember, about the question, uh, when is God our Father? Uh, Now, before I go into that, let me tell you that there's all kinds of places you can go, and that question will receive all kinds of debate and all kinds of answers. There'll be people who will try to analyze just the Greek. There'll be people who will go back to the idea of of their their assumptions that they don't even know are assumptions about the gospel and the nature of the kingdom. For instance, if you assume uh, through some sort of a, a theology that basically identifies man primarily with the fall then you're going to primarily be operating from a situation where the fatherhood of God is not applying to anybody until something to correct the fall happens. And you can have a theology that way. So it's not that people are trying to be mean about it or anything. It's just that they just... If you think that way, if you have those assumptions, you don't assume the fatherhood of God in any meaningful way until you do something to become a child. And so... Uh, this is what I want us to, to, to get away from. Now, there are some things in Scripture that uh, are challenging to understand, or, you know, I, you, I can certainly see the point that some people make, but it, it really does boil down to that idea. And then Jesus did say to people who were steeped in this kind of stuff, He said, uh, You search the Scripture thinking, enemy you find life, and they are that which testify of me, but you don't come to me and receive life, or you refuse to. So this is what I'm trying to do with this little cycle thing, is so in our hearts, don't be afraid of anything that the Bible says. Don't be afraid of anything Jesus says. And even don't be afraid of things that you see when you're uh, ascending or, or in your, your prayer time, your communion time. But just don't view them in isolation. And don't put the weight on any one event, any one encounter, any one passage of Scripture. and and let it dictate what you want. Because we don't have to. That's the reason. It's not just that it's a bad practice. It's just dumb to do. When you have access like this, I mean, if you had a jar of coins that you've been saving for years, that's a cool resource. And then you have a uh, uh, savings account or a checking account that might have, uh, you know, if you're normal, a few hundred bucks in it if you're a good steward, a few thousand dollars in it. And then you you have a trust fund that was left to you by multiple generations that the interest produces a million dollars a year. Okay, so now when you so when you're considering something, boy, I need a new car, or we need to f- fix the water heater, you know, it's certainly appropriate to go pull money out of that coin jar, if the coin jar will meet the deed. But you don't make your whole decision based on that. You don't make your whole decision based on your checkbook. Not if you're in that situation. And that's what we're finding here, is that we literally are linked to the resources of heaven and have access to those. And, and we admit freely that we don't fully know how to use it. And so then you can get in people that emphasize word of faith or emphasize that kind of thing, and everything is about the formula how to use that. And, and then all of a sudden you get in these weird situations, well, uh, I broke my leg when I fell out of that tree, but I can't say it because I don't want to confess that I have a broken leg. Okay, you know, that wouldn't happen if you allowed Jesus to be the comforter. That wouldn't happen if you understood the resources you had, both for healing and everything else. So all I'm saying is that let's open up and and, and get this. So what this little cycle represents my efforts to train us in that. So here, uh, relative to the question, when did you become our father? Our our grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He predestined us to adoption of sons through Jesus Christ himself. So last week I just brought up the point relative to this scripture that at least we can see here from a scriptural standpoint, from Paul teaching and so on, that God is referred to as our Father. Now, if you back up a few verses, it talks about those of faith in, in Ephesians. So it doesn't totally settle the question, Is it just the people that have faith that God's their father or not? So we're looking at Scripture. And that's the kind of question Scripture leads you. So like, for instance, uh, Jesus tells the disciples in John chapter 14, in that day you'll know that I am in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Well, does that apply to everybody or just the guys that were listening? Was it just the men in the room? And he said that after Judas, so did it not apply to Judas? If it doesn't apply to Judas, does that mean it also doesn't apply to us, or does it apply to us through some other means? You see what I mean? Scripture is, you know, there was a Facebook post, I think, uh, I don't know who started it. Maybe it was Shalise. Oh, yeah, it was Shalise. Shalise uh, Menace. So she starts this Facebook post, what's, the fav- what's your favorite thing that Christians, and she put it, uh, in, uh, favorite thing in quotes, the favorite thing that Christians say, and she said, mine is, the Bible clearly says, <laughs> you know, the Bible clearly says. And it's so true. I mean, the Bible says a bunch of amazing things, and they are true, but they require thought, insight, interpretation, partnership with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, and this is something that's really underdeveloped, sometimes they require you sneaking a peek behind the scenes to what that means. And if you don't think so, read the book of Revelation sometime. And try to figure out exactly what's being, you know, what the Bible is clearly saying, or go back and read uh, read uh, Ezekiel's vision. What's the Bible clearly saying there? I'm not saying it's not telling the truth. I'm saying there's an infinite realm, or infinite realms, heaven, earth, time. These things are all being communicated to us through the Scripture, and so the Scripture does speak probably as clear. I mean, I, I bet the day comes when we see everything clearly. We see Jesus. We see ourselves as He is. We're standing there in full glory. I bet we're going to look at the and it's going to be just freaking amazing. How you got all this information in those words. And you got it through us. Translating and mistranslating and interpreting and everything. So I'm not, that's what I'm saying here. Okay. Uh, down in Matthew, it says, uh, So be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is going to where Jesus is. Remember the review? So just take, take a moment and look at what Jesus has to say. Himself. Now, it's still obviously a Scripture study because you're looking at the Scripture in Matthew. But there's something special about the Gospels and a couple other places that Jesus speaks. He speaks to Paul. Uh, the Father speaks from heaven a couple of times. Um, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking some. And so, you know, just go back and run what you're thinking about the Scripture teaching you. Run that through uh, what Jesus actually says. And I'm not talking about having to mystically make something up. I'm just talking about going to the Gospels, going to the book of Acts, going to the places where the words of Jesus came across. And, uh, and, uh, and then like um, 1 Corinthians, Paul says he received by revelation from Jesus himself that communion teaching that's in there. So, you know, that deserves some weight. That deserves a visit. Uh, the other Matthew here, and this is where Jesus was saying, pray this way, our Father. So I pointed out last week these weren't evangelicals that Jesus was preaching to in the Sermon on the Mount. They were, they were in no way converted to any new faith. They were Jews for the most part. And so he was calling God their Heavenly Father, but they weren't exclusively Jews. And we know that because you know people start showing up in the ministry of Jesus. And so uh, and he, he, he identified with our Father. He told us to pray that way. Again, here, here's a scriptural situation that's... Could be puzzling, if somebody wanted to challenge the fact that God is the Father based on the prayer, uh, the Lord's prayer, "Our Father which art in heaven," or "Who art in heaven." They could do that. They could do it because in Luke, I think it's in response to the disciples' question. But in Matthew, it's just a part of the thing, or one of the other way around. In one of them, he's just preaching it to people, and in the other, he's answering his disciples. And so, I take from this permission to lean toward the fact that. God was, is, is viewed as my Father by Jesus. And if Jesus sees him that way, that's probably the truth. And if the Father sees himself that way. All right. So uh, we didn't do this last week. We didn't go to heaven and ask. Because I got to the end of the sermon before we did that. So, and this is where I'm preaching the choir a little bit. May we go into the heavenlies? Do we have permission to? Well, I think so. I think so. I think so. Uh, Hearing Revelations is a, it, a, a place where a lot of people hang a lot of weight on us being able to go to heaven. Uh, I've heard it a little bit in prophetic stuff, and prophetic stuff does add to the, my sense that we have permission. But after these things, I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. In heaven. And uh, the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking to me, said, Come up here. All right. So here's here's a little bit of the issue. Come up here. That was spoken to John by the voice. Is it appropriate to apply that to us? Well, I hope so. It seems like it. It seems like it is. It seems like it is. From this verse, do you think I mean if this was all we had, that was our only basis, we would have to appeal to something else. We'd have to appeal to faith. Or something, which is not, I'm not trying to discourage that, but, but what I'm saying is we don't, have to, we don't have to put blinders on and get super narrow and just say, it says come up here, so I'm going to come up here. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine. And sometimes I need to do that. But um, it says, uh, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. Now, I don't think I put the Scripture in here that I need next. And I don't really know why, but I know right where it is. So, if we appeal to another place in Scripture, can you guys think of a place where that passage might be reinforced that gives us permission? Anybody think? There is one in Ephesians, and that one I do think I have on here. Uh, How about this one? This is in Hebrews, chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, you have, you have a couple of choices if you think about that verse in conjunction with this verse. The throne of grace thing, yeah. You can either make it a metaphor, which is a lot of Christians do, or you could think, well, maybe the Holy Spirit was inspiring the writer of Hebrews not just totally metaphorically, but somewhat literally. Do you think he was being metaphorical when he said, hold fast to your confession? Probably not. Yeah, that, probably not. Everybody smile who thinks that that's, serious, that's literal. Hold fast to your confession. And come boldly. If it was a metaphor, why would you need to put a modifier on it? Why, if it was just a metaphor, why would you need to tell people how to as opposed to how not to? So I'm thinking the evidence is starting to stack up that this might be a real place and a real call. And it's a doctrinal thing. It's a Bible teaching thing. It's not a mystical thing. I mean, it's filled with mystery, of course. But what it says here is, I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. Is that the throne? And is that the one? And is that being in the spirit in which we are supposed to go boldly before it and receive mercy? There's another one. If it's a metaphor, what are you bringing? You're just thinking about it. It's not a metaphor. You're bringing your junk because you're greeted with mercy. And you walk away with grace to help in the need that you brought or the need that you're perpetually living in. So, to me, these things are going around. All right, now, uh, how, about, how about the Jesus part of that? I think I've got this one next. I don't know if this was the one you were thinking of, Tim, but there's a t- two-part scripture here. The, uh, uh, this is talking about the working of, of the power of God and so on. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him, who? Christ. When the Father seated Christ at His, whose, the Father's, right hand in heavenly places. And you're going, well, what does that prove? Nothing, but this does. (laughs) But God being rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us. Us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. Huh? Okay, so it doesn't say that He was our Father. It does earlier actually, but it says that while we were the mess that he came to overcome, he loved us, Uh, we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him. That's the one. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you a question back here. Did God really raise Jesus from the dead? Yes. Yes. That's a pretty much a fundamental thing you guys got to say yes to if you're going to be a Christian. <laughs> did he really raise him? Or did he only metaphorically raise him? <laughs> he didn't metaphorically raise him. He really raised him. There's all kinds of metaphors in it, and there's all kinds of metaphors you can make about it. But God really did raise Jesus from the dead. And Did he really seat him at his right hand in heavenly places? Yes. All right? I think so. I believe so. I saw that. The Bible clearly says. The Bible clearly says. Actually, the person who clearly said it was Stephen. Stephen is having rocks bounce off his noggin, and he's getting ready to die, and he says... I see Jesus standing at the right... Now, he wasn't seated, so it's not 100% confirmation, but I've heard it said that Jesus stood up to honor Stephen. And that makes me want to cry. But anyway, do you see how we can't unravel this from reality if if we're going to take it seriously in any meaningful way? So... God did actually raise Jesus and did actually elevate him after the ascension to be seated at his right hand. And so now we have to deal with this about us. And this is relative to, so may we go to heaven. May we look in heaven, see heaven, look from heaven. I think so, because it says he raised us up with him. And there's other places where Paul talks about the resurrection and other writers talk about the resurrection, that if you don't apply that to yourself, you have to deny it for Jesus. Or if you apply it to Jesus, then you have to argue with this scripture that he had been raised up with him. In other places, Paul says, don't you know that when you're baptized, you're baptized into his death? And you're raised in the newness of life. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. So if those are real then what do we do with, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ? We either have to believe it or not, but we really don't have the right to just make it a metaphor. Because then Jesus would be uh, raised just as a metaphor as well. Yes, Ronnie? Okay.
1: Okay, so I get the idea that Jesus was raised from the dead. Yes. Yes. And, one, and of one of the, of the big, big ways I get, get that idea, idea is that I don't, don't get to see him, see him here, here or, or right, right, right now. Right. So part of that really works for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. The part here says that I was raised up with him mm-hmm. and seated with him mm-hmm. in heavenly places. I've always taken that as a, I don't know if it's been metaphorical, but of a spiritual way to deal with it because as far as I know, I... Body wise, I'm still here on earth. So when it says I've been raised up with him and uh-huh. seated with him, I have a hard time making that into non metaphorical language.
0: All right, then let, let me and I understand that. I understand. I've had a hard time my whole life. Stay there. Uh and I think because we find it hard to understand things that are probably easy to understand if we were to actually be able to see and understand spiritual reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And Adam all died. That doesn't seem fair. And I don't even feel that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And frankly I never have. Ever since I've been aware of being alive. I never felt that. But it's linked to something that's really powerful. And Adam all die. And Christ all will be made alive. So how do I, you know, there's a lot in the Bible that's that way. And we do write a lot of it off just as sort of a faith principle metaphor. And I don't know if metaphor is the best word, but uh, we don't think of it as real. But Paul does say, he says that the things that are seen are
1: temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. The so things it's like are, a spiritual understanding versus a physical reality. Well,
0: it's like, yeah, it's like a spiritual sight. Mm-hmm. So we have to see this with faith because faith is taking the word of someone else's testimony. Faith is not some kind of magic juju that we have or that I have uh, 20 points of and uh, Jason's got 50 points of. Faith is the ability to trust the word of someone. Namely, and this is why it's important not to lose sight that the scriptures are important to trust. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to trust them just the way somebody tells you because you have Jesus to go to and listen to about it. Like one of the smartest guys, one of the most spiritual guys at the time of Jesus said uh, when somebody suggested, you know, uh, what, if he's, what if he's the real thing? And he proudly said, search the scriptures, man. Nothing comes from Nazareth. The Messiah is born in Bethlehem. Well... Except for that gross ignorance that you have of the fact that he was born in Bethlehem, you were right. You know, I mean, Caiaphas was. And, and, uh, and so anyhow, I don't know how, I, I think, Ronnie, this cycle of things where we access the scripture and we apply trust to it, we access Jesus and the things he says in the scripture, and then we try to get in that place, or we, in the same sort of faith that causes us to come to the scripture, we go to the heavenlies. We have an encounter. We have an ascension. We, we do a, have an open vision. We expect and believe for prophetic words and things like that. We have dreams. Yes, sir.
1: Well, I think part of this is in order to fully grasp this, we need to have faith.
0: Because oh, yeah. it's
1: something we can't see. Yeah, yeah. And if it's something that we already have, we don't need faith because we can see it.
0: That's right. But to say we can't see it might be part of the problem. Okay. Because there are unseen things that we see all the time. We have everybody, anybody in this room not ever have a dream? Everybody's had a dream. Anybody online, you guys have all had dreams. Is there a reality behind that dream or not? Is it just purely a chemical, electrochemical, psychological thing? How many, uh, how many of us have had dreams that clearly did reflect something real, but we weren't there? I have. You know, I mean, I, I had a dream the night my little niece died in a car accident. I've had dreams of other things. I mean, and uh, so I appreciate what you're saying, but we have this category that we call real. And then I think we should use the biblical language for it because Scripture never really talks about that. Scripture talks about the seen things and the unseen things. And so I believe that we can see more into more areas and into more spiritual areas than we give ourselves credit for. So we talk ourselves out of the reality of the unseen realm that we see. And the whole thing about having faith, going to heaven, being led by the Holy Spirit, having uh, the Holy Spirit bring to mind all that I did and said, Jesus is reported to have said. So that, that's the thing I think here. Now, again, same situation. We have to go back. So we've got the weight of like Jesus saying, I'm going to be with you. Uh, we've got the weight of Jesus saying um, that I'm in my Father, which none of us doubt, and you're in me and I'm in you. So we should not doubt that either. We should allow that to be real. And, uh, and then, so you get in this kind of passage, and I just think there's a sense of reality that we need to yield to. Now, do we have to already be absolutely sure about it? No. That's what faith is for too. You can believe something and still not fully <laughs> believe it. Comprehend it's good. Believe it even. Yeah, yeah. But but again, same situation. Same sit. Now you you can sit down now. Okay. Same situation uh, in Hebrews four where I read we're to come. We're instructed how to come, and we're told why we can come. We can come because Jesus has passed through the heavens. Jesus said that himself in John uh, fifteen. He said when uh, the Spirit of truth comes, he's going to lead you in all truth. Because he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because they don't believe in me. So that means that God himself, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is helping all of us believe Jesus and believe in him. Second, God himself is trying to make a case for how big a deal it is that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Because he says you're going to be convicted of righteousness because uh, you don't see me anymore and I'm going to be with the Father. And then he's making a case that the rulers of this world, which have sown the difficulty in and seeing the unseen realm and made us all so we had to approach in faith and we had to choose to be bold and we had to hold to our confession, those rulers and principalities and powers have been cast down. They've been judged to be a lie. False. Just like they were judged to be a lie when the, the, Jesus was led into the wilderness and the, uh, the Satan came and tempted him and he rejected it. That is now... Done and being done on a daily basis by the Holy Spirit, God himself, on a worldwide global scale. Judgment and casting down of these powers that keep us stuck, lying. So anyway, now I think we have to take this seriously, and now I think we have some permission. Now, does it have to be the global uh, model of, uh, of ascension? No. Does it have to be Judy Franklin's model from Bethel? No. Does it have to be the open vision model of some wild and uh, woolly-haired charismatic spiritual warfare person? No. But I'm not sure that any of those don't work okay. Because because this isn't about ascension. This is about being seated and, and gaining vision in Christ from where we live. Yes, sir.
2: <laughs> so I, I guess my thought about ascension is I don't understand why we feel like we need to think of it as if We're accessing a different place that is superior to where we are now versus understanding that the kingdom of God is at hand and like Luke 17, 20, 21, Mm -hmm. that the kingdom of God is within us, which I know, you know, the kingdom is different than God, you know, on the mercy seat doing his thing, but... When you look at it and you, you kind of see the difference between, you know, the book of Revelations and, and just what people did mm-hmm. here on earth, the miracles they performed with and, and even uh, after uh, Jesus, um, it seems to me to almost, it, it feels as if there is a, a requirement to have this agreement that there's something else that has to be accessed that isn't within reach.
0: Well, I can understand that. And I I think if we saw more clearly, we probably would not. More more regularly, more clearly, more normally. We would. That that sense of something to have to hurdle or jump over would probably diminish. Because you're right. And and this is the truth. Like, this is applying Jesus to this. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He also said, the kingdom of God is within you. Here's like one reason we have a hard time applying those words with the weight that they deserve. Because, because there's a, a, a bunch of lies out there, and there's New Age stuff out there that's talking about it's all within, and we have a feeling like, well, if, if the kingdom's all within me, then I'm diminishing how big God is, or I'm doing something like that. I'm not saying you're wrong. And if, if we have to think about jumping that hurdle... I equate that to what it suggests there in Hebrews, to come boldly, you know, come boldly before the throne. And now, it did say, we have s access because we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. So this upward, outward sense has some justification in Scripture. Um, Moses was with the people on the ground, and then the smoke was on the mountain, and, and so there was a sense of ascent. I, and I think that's where a lot of this comes. Now, I don't know how far that is. I, I we had a Bible teacher Bob Cornwall who said that that just marked the place where heaven and earth met. All right, so that means if I understand the elevation of Sinai, which is only a couple thousand feet, then when we go home tonight, we're going to be in heaven or maybe even above heaven. <laughs> you know, so so I I don't know about that, Tim.
3: Yeah, uh, you know I'm hearing some um, valid points and questions, um, but this is one thing I would put out there. Um, I became a Christian and I'm saved, but what if I don't pray in tongues? Why do I want to pray in tongues? Sure, same thing. I mean, I, I don't need it. Yeah. Is there a benefit in praying in tongues? Well, we all found that there was a benefit. It was a privilege Absolutely. that we have by being saved. Another privilege that we have is that healing is available to us. Mm-hmm. Many of us have received healings before. Mm-hmm. We don't have to believe in healing if we believe in Jesus Christ but it's a nice side benefit. Yeah. If we do believe and we are healed, that's a good thing. Well, let me let me let me jump in for just a second.
0: We don't have to believe in healing if we believe in Jesus. I don't I don't think that's true. Because if you just read the gospels, healing is all around Jesus and yeah. everything he did. So I understand. See, this is the kind of argument we make when we're trying to only argue something out of a doctrinal position in Scripture. Yeah. But if we'll humble ourselves, which you guys have totally done, and that's why. But you're you in don't lose it.
3: salvation if you didn't believe no, in no, healing. No, that's no, it, they're not even related <laughs> it, at it, all. It's a privilege and an honor that comes it's along Jesus. with Jesus. It's more of Jesus. Yeah. And here's the it's other thing I don't things. want to exclude: is the fact that when Jesus died and He shed His blood. You know, it's because he loved us so much. He forgave us our sins, yeah. past, present, and future. Well, why did he become the new veil into heaven if we're not supposed to go into heaven? There's a good point, yeah. I yeah. mean, that is that, that a waste of time? For Hebrews Jesus chapter 10 Eve? talks
0: about that. You yeah. know?
3: Come, come so, to it, him. It's just points I'm trying to make is it's an honor and it's a privilege to go into heaven. We don't have to wait till we die. Right. You know, I used to think I had to wait till I died to go into heaven, but I've been doing it for a year and a half now, and I'm seeing it to heaven. Yeah. And some people say, well, you know, but I, I, but I don't see him. I don't see that. But if I, for instance, brought up the fact that, well, um, the Kramers aren't here tonight, you know, do you believe in the Kramers? They're, well, they're, they're online, so I halfway do. <laughs> Because we know them, we see them here, we can imagine what they look like even though they're not here. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm just making up points for why it's so important to go into heaven now and spend time with Him. It's an honor and it's a privilege.
0: Like me, you're preaching the choir. This is what I want us to realize. And and I'd, I'd like us at some point to get to the place where it's not like just a special event. That's what I'm trying to say here. As normal in your life as Bible study should be and reading, so should honing in on the words of Jesus, because they add a a special measure of authority to your, your study. And so, in exactly the same way, should be then going to Jesus to receive the life that the Scripture testifies to him about, and I think what we're talking about when we talk about prophetic ascension and all this kind of stuff is going to Jesus. I think that's what he said. Come to me. And, and, and he did the same thing. Uh, I mean, he addressed the same thing to him that you're addressing. He told them, you search the scriptures thinking and you find life. And they are that which testify to me, but you are unwilling to come to me. The answer to that, stop being unwilling. <laughs> Start being willing. And then that's what I think is being spoken of in Hebrews when it says hey because of all of this now you be bold to come and hold fast and you'll get grace and you'll get mercy yeah ray
4: yeah i was one time i was i i, I told you about my experience when i uh practically died and mm-hmm. went into the uh, the rim of the spirit and uh when i uh, first saw it uh it was like an open tunnel like of light, mm-hmm. I went through it, uh, uh, kind of uh, not all the way through it, but when I got to that point, I started feeling a strong presence, and uh, to me, heaven's just—you can just walk right into it. <laughs> I think that, and that's then true. <laughs> it's just right here in front of you, and the spirit—a spirit, spirit world—is more real than this part of the world. And I know when I was in the spirit, it's just like the heavens are just right here in front of you. And then Paul says, I went to the third heaven. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's talking about a spiritual thing. And there's dimensions, Mm -hmm. many mansions that uh, we're going to go. Let me talk about one thing that you just said. So the the spiritual realm
0: is more real than this realm. What kind of basis can we say that on? Well, how about this? God is spirit. Right. So his basic nature is spirit. That right. means that we're. Now, is God real? Of course, God's real. God's real. Of course, that's the question, but God is real. So the spiritual realm, and then Paul talks about it in different ways. He says the, the uh, seen things are temporary, but the unseen things are eternal. Right. That means that the spirit realm lasts a long time. Right. The spirit realm is fully engaged with the knowledge of God because this is eternal life to know God and to know Jesus whom he sent. Um, that's right. So yeah, that's I think I think there's a basis for saying that exactly.
4: Yeah, so when I was in the spirit, I felt the spirit so strong, and I did not want to come back to this, because I I, I said I'm here, and I remember I told you my daughter was trying to yeah. bring me back to life, sure. I, but I wasn't really completely dead. But uh, uh, I got choked on some food, and yeah. then I went out into the uh, and I, I and then they was trying to revive me. And then when they started to revive me, then I said, I was, don't bring me back. I want to go, you know. So it was a a real experience when I went there, and I felt the spirit so strong, I didn't want to come back.
0: So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that you can go to a similar place?
4: Yeah. Now? Oh yeah, without choking. Yeah, <laughs> without having to choke. That'd yeah, a weird you can't religion do it. where you had to choke yourself. <laughs> that's what we talk about dissension, That we yeah. can go in the spirit just by you know uh, coming dwelling on it, or right, yeah whatever you want to say. Coming bowling. Uh, that's how I went into the spirit a lot of times, and then you could speak stuff into existence. And, you know, that's like uh, God, when he created the earth, he spoke this stuff into existence. And we could do the same thing by creating. Cool.
0: Well, I'm not against that, but let's stick to the point tonight because I want us to get in Okay. Okay. That's That's good, though. That's good. No, no, no. no, I'm not. Don't worry about that. Ronnie?
1: Okay. A quick point. Um, Many of us especially me, I know, are going through a transition of Mm -hmm. understanding of what we read and understand about stuff we've thought about for years, possibly. Mm
0: -hmm. I would say all of us are. Okay. Yeah, in one place or another. All all of us.
1: So the idea of saved, Mm -hmm. and that's a big deal Mm -hmm. to me. So when I see something that now helps me understand it a different way than what I had before, I pay attention to it. Like saved by grace? This scripture right here Mm -hmm. helps me understand differently being saved versus, being saved means something I do versus being saved meaning something Jesus did.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, that's so this
1: <laughs> right here clearly says that we were made, a, clearly. <laughs>
0: okay. and the Bible
4: as, clearly says.
1: As clearly as I think. Made us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Right. It doesn't say because you prayed a prayer that it, now it makes you saved. No, it just not. says we've been saved. Yeah. And then this other good stuff comes from it. It seems so. So it seems to be confirming a different way to look at it than what I and probably many have looked at
0: It gives before. you permission for sure. So yeah. now here's what I would encourage you to keep doing since you saw this a little bit. Go back and, and, and read the red, you know, get a red letter Bible and read all the red mm-hmm. and see what Jesus is saying about this kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if he uses the word saved, I don't know if it's translated a lot, but, but read him. I've discovered things that i would read a hundred times when I was thinking about him with a different question in mind, and all of a sudden it becomes plain as the nose on your face that Jesus was saying. Like, you know, a lot of times, this is just a quick example. People make the stupidest statement. They say, Jesus never said he was God. That's ridiculous. If you read the Bible without that prejudice in mind, he talked about it all the time. Uh, woman at the well, I who speak to you am me. I know the Messiah is going to come, he's going to straighten us out. Oh, that's me. <laughs> it couldn't be any plainer than that. Yeah. It couldn't be any plainer. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. And then when you get up near the near the end of his life before the crucifixion, he's telling people who he is all the time. And then he's sitting there saying, I and the Father are one. Huh? That's not clear enough? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Or early in his ministry, John chapter 5, what do we have to do to do the works of God? Well, you have to believe in the one he sent. Well, what will you do so that we can believe you? He says, nothing. <laughs> he said, he says, if you, you know, believe on Moses. I mean, they were skeptical people. He was never hiding who he was, not really. I think that doctrine came from when he told those lepers to not tell him what happened. And I don't know why he did that, except just not to be hassled by all the PR. Anyway, I'm not really sure. All right. Let's keep going. All right, but first I want to add one more quick thing before we go. And this is in Romans, so we're not going to have a big discussion about this. I'm just going to tell you. The Scripture speaks about doctrinally, scripturally, that these are the sons of God and uh, that we've received a spirit of adoption. Now, uh, uh, so and I'm only doing this, and nobody in here needs this. Uh, Galatians says, while we were children, we were held in bondage. And then it goes on down that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... This is a powerful verse. Think about this. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our heart crying, Abba, Father. Not to make you sons. I don't know what that means, quite. It's one of those things. I want to see what Jesus says. Because you are sons, God did something. He didn't do something to make you a son. He did something to confirm your sonship. (laughs) At least that's what it looks like. So here's what Jesus said. He's preaching again, Sermon on the Mount, to these non-evangelical Jews and some Gentiles, probably. You've heard it said, uh, that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. This is way early in his ministry. This is his first big gig. He's speaking the Sermon on the Mount so that you may be sons. He didn't say, get converted so you can be sons. He didn't say, pray something so you can be sons. He says, look, love something. Love people that persecute you so you can be sons of your father. Why? Because he causes uh, his son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the not. In other words, it was a, a point of sharing in who God was and who we are. So anyway, Jesus kind of opens the door. So here's what we're going to ask when we, when we uh, go up there. When did you, God, see yourselves as our Father? All right, now, again, I understand in the, in the model of ascension that we usually use around here, we don't ask much questions. We just go. But I'd like to hear God, I'd like us to experience that we can go to God when we have a biblical question that we've vetted by Jesus, and we back and forth did in the Scripture, and we're not just left to our own cognitive devices that we might actually hear God speak. Imagine that. So when did you, God, see yourself as our Father? When did you see us as your children and as your friends and as your sons? So there's that cool picture, isn't that neat? All right. So uh, th- th- we, don't, uh, we don't have communion set up, do we? Okay. It's no, no big deal. Again, this is going to... No, 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 let's not worry about it. In other words, I, d- I don't want this necessarily to be just a, f- a normal form. I want us to realize, like you were saying, Tim, that it's right here, or uh, Sterling, that we, we don't necessarily have to go up. Now, there's some stairs there, and there's a place where you've got to climb the wall to get to the stairs. I don't know. You know that, that probably is not the way <laughs> So, uh, Jason, are you going to... Go to the mic. Oh, you're going the other place. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so Father, here's, here's the questions again. I would love it, Father, if you would share with us through picture, through words, through some sense or something that we can report, through an encounter, the truth about when you began to see yourself as our Father and you began to see us. And identify us as your children, yes, as your friend. And I didn't talk about friend, yes, Jesus. but Jesus, you said it. You called us friends
3: yes,
0: and sons. And so, Lord, I just want to take a moment and relax and invite you to speak to us, to open our hearts and to show us. Normally, Lord, we, we go through a protocol I just want I just want for this one to just make it as simple as possible. We understand that we are seated in heavenly places by your grace, Father, and by you identifying, putting us in, and, and identifying us in Jesus. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is seated at your right hand. I believe what Stephen saw. I believe that that's a point of access. This picture only only like barely represents it. It doesn't have to be a gate like this. It doesn't have to be anything. The word says that we're to come to the throne of grace. The word says that righteousness is real because Jesus, you are with the Father. Matter of fact, it says that righteousness is, we're being convicted that righteousness is real for the very thing that causes us skepticism sometimes because we can't see you here. But we understand we're not coming just willy-nilly. We're not coming for no reason. We're coming because we're in Christ. And Jesus, because you're in us. And Holy Spirit, because you are making real the realities. And so we give ourselves to you. And I just encourage everybody in the room and everybody online, you guys online, I'm going to keep an eye on you. If you If you see something, if you have something you want to share relative to these questions or anything else the Lord wants to show you, feel free to jump in. Uh, and, and keep in mind that He's God and we're not, and you don't have to be perfect, and you don't even have to know 100% that you're right. And if you say something that maybe you just saw because you have an inclination in that way or you ate something and it's reacting, nobody here is going to fall apart as a result of that. <laughs> but I'm betting, I'm betting that God is going to let us see from the exalted position, whether that's up or out or in or deep or whatever. I'm betting he's going to let us see some things about heaven. And I do think one of the keys, and I'm remembering something Jesus said, that unless you are converted and become as a little child, you'll not see the kingdom. We give ourselves to you as little children, loved by you, Father. So if you could just share some of your fatherness with us, Jesus, if you could share something about the Father, Holy Spirit, if you could share something about the amazing Father, son, love yes. that goes on. So we give ourselves to you. And there's a mic there. Yeah. If I already have something, can I just share it? Yeah, I just run up there real quick. Absolutely. I don't expect this to take forever.
4: That's okay. Yeah,
0: Whenever do we go? Good to see you, buddy.
4: Okay, God bless you. All right. I'll see you maybe next week. Yeah. God bless
1: you. So can you put those questions back up? Yeah. God bless you, Ray. So the main or the first one, when did you, God, see yourself as our father? I really believe that God saw us, saw himself as our father before the foundations of the earth or the world, Um, just like he saw the world before the world so that it's there fully in his heart and his mind. And then the act of creation was just to follow through.
0: Thank you, Lord.
2: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, to the second question, when did you see us as your children? I asked God that when I, right before I stepped up, and He said, "Before I placed you in your mother's womb." Hmm. Hmm.
0: I feel like the Lord's saying, "How else could I have known you?"
3: Before you were in your mother's womb,
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. How else? That's good. And you meet a picture that I got when I, uh, on the first question, uh, I got a picture of God uh, creating the earth and creating man, and the time He was creating man is when I saw that He became our Father. Mm. That's what I was seeing—the picture of His creation of man. And when did you see yourself as children? Uh, I got a picture of that when I became one with Jesus, when I realized that I was one in Jesus. And um, when did I... I'm sorry, that's as a friend and as a son, Mm -hmm. when I came to know Jesus as a personal Savior for me. The second question was, when do you see yourself as children? On that picture, I actually saw the same as what Jason was seeing. I was seeing a sperm and an egg coming together Mm. at that creation. That's when I saw myself as becoming a child. That's interesting.
0: I had a little picture that went along a little bit, Jason, with what you were seeing. I I saw Adam being formed and I saw him being formed not as a fully formed adult but I saw him being formed as a child an infant out of the dust (laughs) of the ground molded that way small and uh, I, I feel like I can see through God's eyes that little mud baby kind of thing coming to life and and, and, and so, like, the answer is there was never a time I didn't see you as a child. There was never a time. And, go ahead, babe.
5: One of the things that um, the Lord just said to me is that um, He is our Father. He's not a father to angels. Hmm. And I thought, what? <laughs> but... You can't find that in scripture, Hmm. that he was the father of angels. He was the creator of angels, but he is our father. Hmm. And so as to um, what Ronnie said from the foundation of the world and from knowing us uh, even prior to being in our mother's wombs, he has always been our father. And um, I just thought that was interesting that he would say that about himself.
0: Mm. that's cool Mm.
2: so as I continued to listen and I started to ask Father about these questions he said you were all these things in my heart long before anything was ever here
0: thank you Lord Holy Spirit I ask that you would uh, that you would make us conscious of the connections between these three sort of realms of learning that we're exploring that you would show us how the scripture invites and illuminates but then Jesus how you you clarify it so so classic when you stood in the in the um, that first teaching that you did big teaching I guess it was the first big teaching, but you said, uh, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, you brought your incarnate knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to bear on the scriptures. And then at other places, you combined yourself and that knowledge with the scripture, like with the guys on the road to Emmaus. And then all of a sudden, they got life. They were exhausted. They were depressed. And when you were done with them after just a few minutes walking along with them and being revealed to them at the table, they hightailed it back to Jerusalem and said, we've seen the Lord. They were filled with life and energy. And, and then heaven was open then because it wasn't a whole lot later that you actually walked through the walls of that room and you revealed yourself. And I get the impression, Lord, and I don't understand this, but I get the impression that you at the point when Mary saw you in the garden, you hadn't ascended yet. That's what you said. But that somehow interaction between you and heaven had progressed. And I have no idea what I'm even saying. Had progressed by the time you saw the disciples because you didn't mind them coming and, and being with you and eating with you and touching you and so on. So, Lord, I just, uh, Holy Spirit, I ask that these three things the revelation that you've sown into Scripture, the reality of Jesus and his superior, uh, maybe not, well, his more complete, true knowledge of everything, earth, heaven, Father, us, and the access to the heavenlies that was gained through him ascending and being seated at the right hand of the Father and us being with him, that you would show us, give us an experience, of uh, a visceral, an intellectual, an emotional, and a spiritual experience of how these things work for us to to learn, to know, to grow to encounter and to be transformed help us with that Lord tonight you are with the vision of, of Adam being made with the simple words of what the intention of your heart was before anything was created you were thinking of us that, that is backed up by even the scripture we looked at tonight that you predestined us before the world to reform, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So thank you for that, Lord. Ronnie, go ahead.
1: So I'm sensing something from the Father in a very kind and fatherly way, but at the same time telling us these are funny questions you're asking, <laughs> meaning you just don't understand, which is why you're asking the questions, but they're really not valid questions in a sense, because you don't understand time. Like God understands time. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, you used a couple of words that aren't even on there, but they really struck my spirit. And you said, asking God, when did you become our father? When did you start to see us as children? Mm-hmm. And those just, I know you. this is not to fault you in my, oh, any way, I'm but they brought away. in a focus that there's a time element here mm-hmm. that we feel we need an answer to, or we'd like an answer to, and God's kind of like saying, "I'll try to give you an answer, but you don't, you won't get it. Get it, yeah, because it's a realm outside of your understanding, yeah, um, and not in a rebuking way at all. Is just saying you understand why you're asking the question, but the real answer doesn't isn't gonna flow that way. You have to come out that way.
0: Maybe this is a little bit something like your uh, your thing, Sterling. Where um, um, we have to, like, we're in this moving body of time, and to get real insight into some of these things, this is one of those up things. You have to, of course, time wouldn't be up; it could be any direction. But you, you got to get your head out of that flow so you can engage with the the reality that that thing is that's causing that flow to happen or whatever. That'd be fun. Also Did, you got Oh yeah, those are loaded questions. They're loaded from our position of of blindness and ignorance. And the Lord's starting to answer that. Do what? See through a deer, Mary Dimly. Okay, like. This is this is something that's always funny. So Nancy and I have gone back and forth a little bit about the, the uh, how to think about time. That there's no such thing as time and space. And I go, well, hey, if there's no such thing as time and space, then how can there be sequence to things? And how can how can there be something like God says something and we obey it? And I see that happening in the heavenlies sometimes, uh, in Scripture, and for real. But then every time that we, that she and I have one of those discussions, God goes, well, you're right about that point, but Nancy's right too. You, you don't understand how it works. Just exactly what you're saying. So I've, I'm I mean, like I'm humble. I'm not ready to give it up totally, <laughs> but I do want to understand. I do want to understand. I actually just there was an article that was circulating recently about the shape of time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw it before you sent it me too, it, and it was fascinating. It, it, it depicted time being shaped a little bit like the legs on these tables, and so consequently, you you had all different kinds of vectors that you could go on to go from one place to another. Lord is is time a little like that? A little bit like that. <laughs> Praise God. All right, listen. Uh I love the ascensions we do. Go ahead, babe. I love the ascensions we do. I love prophecy. I love the Bible. I really love Jesus. And I want us to know that these are just the normal things of life. We really are, like you say, Tim, we don't have to die before we see. We don't even have to die before we go. So, yes, babe.
5: So, when I said that, um, you know, God wasn't father to angels, in Hebrews, um, I think that's one. Yeah, Hebrews 1 5 says, for to which of the angels did he ever say you are my son today i have begotten you and again i will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me there you go and um, because i was like thinking well lord who who are you father to obviously us but he's he's not a father to just anybody yeah, i mean humanity so, okay, he's okay, a father you a in humanity. so are you
0: saying that that you heard that, that that God's not a father of angels, and then you went yes. back to the scripture yes. and saw that. Yes, see, that's what I want. That's perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what I want us to be able to do. I don't want us to get caught in the trap of trading one thing for another. Well, I'm only going to follow what Jesus said. No, you should listen to what Paul said too. He was called. All right. Oh, I'm only going to do ascensions, or I'm too, I'm afraid to go to heaven. <coughs> like we have some some folks that that uh, we associate with it. I think that's risky, because you could be deceived. But do it as a package, and you'll be edified. So, all right, we got to shut down. Ah, This was fun. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for opening up. We are trying, as hard as we can, to believe some of these amazing things, not only that the Scripture teaches, but Jesus that you say, and then the realities that you open to us. Um, For instance, we're trying to believe We're committed to believe. We are saying we're believing, but we know that our believing needs more meat on the bones, more mechanism to it. When you say that you're in the Father and we're in you and you're in us. Because sometimes we still feel like, like we're not in you and you're not in us. We're out by ourselves, struggling along, trying to jump up, climb up, get up, and see. So Lord... We give ourselves to continue to grow with the amazing resources of wisdom that you've given us in the Scripture, Jesus, in your own person, your incarnate person, and in the access to heaven that we have. If we can just relax where we sit in Christ and look and come to believe what we see. We thank you for it, and we know it's all because of Jesus, and so we bless you, Father, Holy Spirit, and Word. Word of the Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.